What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And as always, before I jump into NXT, I always have something I need to talk about at the top of the show because a lot of you guys are wondering, Booch, at this point, you're probably not even shocked anymore, but you're sitting here going, what the fuck, man? Why you gotta take so long to bring us this NXT recap? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the answer is fairly simple this week because this past Tuesday night, I was at... 
Buff Bagwell's house, and Buff and I were getting all of our merch organized for WrestleCade. Because this weekend, we are going to be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, for WrestleCade. And we got a bunch of different events that we're going to be doing during this time. Uh, For example, on Friday, we have a meet and greet that we're going to be doing from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Then at 7 p.m., we have a virtual signing that we're going to be doing from our hotel room. Uh, Michael Long, who is the co-host of the uh, Rebuilding Buff podcast, uh, booked a suite at the hotel, and the three of us are going to crash in that hotel because they got two beds and a couch. So obviously, Michael is taking one of the beds, and then Buff and I are going to decide which one of us gets the bed and which one of us gets the couch. So either way, we got a place to crash. So we're going to be doing the virtual signing at 7 p.m., and it will be on the Rebuilding Buff Facebook page. So make sure you go to facebook.com slash rebuilding buff and like the page so you can be notified on when we go live on Facebook. And that's when you'll be able to bid on the items that you want. And we will, you know, of course, take down your information that you DM to us. And we will be sure to ship the merch out to you once we've received payment. So that's how that's going to go. And then on Saturday morning, we're going to be doing a special breakfast with buff. So all you have to do is go to Ticket Tour, that's T-I-C-K-E-T-O-R.com, TicketTour.com, and look up Breakfast with Buff. You will be able to purchase tickets to the event. And the sale will end in two days, so you got to make sure you get your tickets now uh, before they sell out or before time expires. And then once you have purchased your ticket or tickets, then you will be given an email to notify you where the location is that we're going to be having breakfast because we don't want to make it available to the general public because then anybody can just walk right into the restaurant. We want to make sure the people who are paying tickets are actually going to come out and see us. And that'll be at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday. Then, once the breakfast is over, we're going to go over to the convention and at the convention, we're going to have our gimmick table set up and you and we'll be selling our gimmicks like we normally do at wrestling shows. Uh, we're going to be doing an adjustment on the prices. Um, I don't have any final clarification on that, so I will not be able to send that to you, but once you come to WrestleCade, there'll be a sign on there letting you know the prices and everything. And I know the prices that we normally charge when we go to indie shows, but I think for WrestleCade, we might be changing it up a little bit. But either way, uh, WrestleCade is going to be awesome. I've never been to WrestleCade, but I've thought about going numerous times. I've been encouraged to go numerous times. And there were times where I thought I was going to be going to WrestleCade on some other type of business, but that never came to fruition. So I'm excited to be going to WrestleCade for the first time ever. It's basically like WrestleMania for independent wrestling. A lot of big stars. Pretty much anybody that's not signed with WWE is going to be there. So I'm very excited for this event. And it's going to be an amazing weekend. And we hope we can see you all out there. But anyway, back to my point here. Uh, Tuesday night, we were sorting through everything and getting all of the bins filled up with all the merch that we're going to be selling for the virtual signing and for, you know, the convention. So it took up a lot of time. We had to get a lot of it done because... Uh, Wednesday, uh, we weren't able to get together because Buff had to go get an MRI done on his knee because he's still in recovery. So I basically spent the day uh, running uh, errands and also being at work. So because of all of that, uh, I didn't have time on Tuesday night to watch NXT or give a proper recap. So basically on Wednesday, which is yesterday at the time you're listening to this because it's uh, Thanksgiving at the time this is pretty much coming out, um, which by the way, I will say happy Thanksgiving 
to everyone. Basically, you know, Wednesday night was when I was finally able to watch NXT and then give this recap, and I wanted to get it done uh, at least before the weekend because I know once I get to North Carolina, I'm not going to have time to do anything else until late Sunday night when I get back from North Carolina. So, anyway, I just want to let you know, this is why I waited till now to get this out here. Uh, depending on my schedule in the coming weeks, it'll determine when these NXT stuff will come out because on Tuesday night, Buff also was recording an episode of the Rebuilding Buff podcast and it took way longer than Buff thought he thought it would to get it recorded. So, by the time I got home, just everything was complicated. So, but anyway, that's all in the past. Now I'm here at the present. And I am here to recap this week's NXT. And we kick things off with uh, Grayson Waller interrupting the opening segment of NXT. You know, the little the little like intro thing they love to do. And he basically starts comparing himself to The Rock, John Cena, and Roman Reigns. And he says they all got booed too when they started getting the taste of Hollywood and the bright lights. And he knows that because the fans are booing him, he is destined to be a superstar because he's also a star in Hollywood with all the reality shows that he's doing. And then eventually Tommaso Ciampa interrupts and that's going to start off the match. But before we get to the match, I got to say this. I loved this promo from Grayson Waller. He became a heel out of fucking nowhere. Like one minute he's a baby face going up against LA Knight and trying to make a name for himself. And he's, you know, a little bit on the cruiserweight side as far as his uh, wrestling style. But you know, he was, you know, trying to do right by everything. And then out of nowhere, they just turned him heel. But he's running with it and doing a great job. And I gotta admit, I love the fact that he trolled the internet wrestling community. I love that. Because it's so true. In fact, just recently uh, with Survivor Series and the tributes to The Rock, as soon as Survivor Series went off the air, Season 2 of the Ruthless Aggression series came out, which is basically chronicling the Ruthless Aggression era of WWE. WWE that took place after the Attitude Era and before the PG Era. And the entire episode, first episode of Season 2 of Ruthless Aggression was devoted to The Rock. And it talked about how, you know, towards the end of the Attitude Era and the beginning of the Ruthless Aggression Era, The Rock was getting bit by the acting bug. You know, he was hosting Saturday Night Live. He starred in The Scorpion King. He did The Mummy Returns and then later The Scorpion King. And The Rock was taking a lot of time off from the WWE to do all these movies and work in Hollywood. And the wrestling fans at the time, they hated it. They were genuinely angry. They were legitimately pissed. And the reason the fans were angry is because back then, fans and the business in general shitted on wrestlers that went to Hollywood. Because they saw it as, you don't really care about the business. You don't love wrestling and you're using this as a stepping stone to get to Hollywood. And if you're that type of person, wrestling purists fucking hate you. You are hated amongst a lot of people if you use wrestling as a stepping stone to get to Hollywood. And The Rock had even said in interviews that he would never leave the WWE to go to Hollywood. And in 2004, that's exactly what the fuck he did. He left and went to Hollywood and was gone for seven years. We barely saw him. Almost every segment he did was taped and fans were booing him. At WrestleMania 18, 
2019, they chanted Rocky sucks for the first time in four years. They chanted Rocky sucks. When he dropped the title to Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, fans were booing him then too and chanting, you sold out, you sold out, you sold out. So when John Cena talked all that shit about The Rock, he was saying shit the fans were saying. But because John Cena was quickly becoming a guy that was no longer popular, fans all of a sudden pretended that they loved and appreciated The Rock going to Hollywood. And it also showed why in 2003, The Rock came back as a heel temporarily. They did a little bit of a heel turn thing because The Rock was trying to, you know, shit on the fans who were shitting on him for going to Hollywood and dreaming big and trying to become a big time Hollywood actor, which he is today, you know, and then John, you know, and then John Cena, he, you know, for eventually got bit by the acting bug as well and started, you know, getting more of an affiliation with acting and eventually went to Hollywood and now spends more time in Hollywood than he does in WWE. But the difference between Cena and The Rock is this. The Rock left at the height of his fame when he was being billed as the future of the business. The Rock left during a time when there weren't a lot of stars left on the roster and WWE was screwed, especially since Austin retired because of injury. So when Austin started doing acting gays and going to Hollywood, Austin didn't get the treatment that Rock did because when Austin left, he left because he physically couldn't wrestle anymore. When Cena went to Hollywood, Cena earned the right to do that because he'd been a full-time wrestler from 2002 to 2016. And he carried the company on his back. If anybody deserved to go to Hollywood or become a part-timer, it's John fucking Cena because he put in the work, he put in the time. He has earned the right to come back when he pleases and step away for a while. And Cena's even said, he's not retiring yet. He's still got gas in the tank. So he's he, he's just picking his time to come back and he's going to wrestle for the right reasons against the right opponent. And he's being smart about it. And then, of course, there's Roman Reigns where everybody booed him and then all of a sudden he became the head of the table and now everybody loves him, which I think is hilarious. You know, the, Roman's getting the respect he should have been getting from the very beginning because he's always been fucking good. The only thing he sucked at was his promos. He got way better at that shit. So it, it's just, I loved Grayson Waller's promos here. Taking all those things, those three top guys that fans were fickle with and throwing it at them. It was brilliant. And then Tommaso Ciampa coming out because he, again, doesn't like Grayson Waller's attitude and wants to rearrange his face. So we have our first official match of the evening in a non-title match. I need to emphasize that. A non-title match. Tommaso Ciampa versus Grayson Waller. This was an amazing opening match. These two put on a wrestling clinic. And as much of an egomaniac as Grayson Waller is, he brought the fight to Tommaso Ciampa. Now, Ciampa is not going to give Grayson Waller any respect anytime soon. But at the same time, he has to know that even though he won the match, Grayson Waller could have beaten him just as luckily as Ciampa beat him. It, it's, it, it, it very well could have gone the other way. But it was a, but it was a fantastic match. You know, even with Grayson Waller trying to mock the people's elbow. But, uh, you know, Ciampa getting out of the way. And then he hits the Widow's Bell and the fairy tale ending for the one, two, three. The winner of the match, Tommaso Ciampa. We knew Tommaso was going to win, at least in the back of our minds. But Grayson Waller was able to create some doubt 
throughout the match. And that is impressive. And Grayson Waller is quickly getting my respect at, from an analytical standpoint as a wrestling analyst. But I did not expect to like Grayson Waller. I thought this guy was going to be a spot monkey jackass. But he is showing me he's a hell of a worker and a hell of a promo. And speaking of hell of a promo, we cut to the backstage area with L.A. Knight. And he says he didn't bother interfering in the match because Waller can lose the match on his own, and he did. Joe Gacy interrupts, which leads to a challenge for a match. Because he's basically saying that, you know, L.A. Knight is full of microaggression and, you know, trying to do all the safe space snowflake jargon. And then L.A. Knight says, you know, we can go out to the ring, but it won't be a safe space or blah, blah, blah. And it, either way, it was a fantastic match and I love it because whose game is it it's LA Knight's game yeah and then of course we cut to the backstage area with Dakota Kai who just randomly shows up out of nowhere while toxic attraction is uh you know talking and strategizing for how they want to weaken things and then all of a sudden they see like a mess everywhere and Kaylee Ray is just uh you know raging for no fucking reason like it's 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 weird. Like, she wants to rage against the machine or some shit. It, it, it's... I don't, I can't figure out Kaylee Ray's gimmick. It's very, very weird. I will say that. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next segment here. We got Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes walks to the ring with his new look. He does not look happy because he got his uh his beard trimmed, a lot of it. So he looks very different. Grimes says he kept his beard and hair to remind him of the hard times. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get onto you, you know the things that you do will make me feel alright. When I'm home, everything seems to be right, yeah. When I'm home, baby, you holding me tight, tight, yeah. By the way, there's anybody out there wondering, why the fuck did the boots just burst out into song out of nowhere? All I'm going to say is three words. Ask the ginger. So anyway, uh, Grimes promises to destroy Duke Hudson. Hudson appears on the video screen and says he did Grimes a favor by cutting his hair and beard. He's just trying to turn Grimes into a halfway decent looking human being instead of a troll under a bridge. So Grimes challenges Hudson to a hair versus hair match at war games. Hudson agrees and says he's going to take the rest of Grimes' hair at war games as Hudson holds up a Ziploc bag with Grimes hair in it. Once again stellar promos I loved this new side to Cameron Grimes the fact that he was angry the fact that he was crying that there were tears rolling down his face and that he was genuinely heartbroken by losing his beard and telling his story about traveling and all the other stuff before Cameron Grimes had money it was a serious side to Cameron Grimes and it was something we desperately needed to see from him now I'm not saying he needs to do a complete gimmick change because I do like the fun loving strutting around and the whole to the moon 
I love that. But sometimes you got to know when to be serious. You got to know when to shut the funny down and get down to business. And that's what this is about. And I also want to say this. Especially with the main event that's about to commence later tonight. I was so glad to hear that when he challenged Duke Hudson to the hair versus hair match, that it's happening at NXT TakeOver War Games. If they put this next week on free TV, the amount of expletives that would be spewing out of my mouth right now, you would lose count. It would have pissed me the fuck off if they put this on free TV. This is a pay-per-view, and it's hair versus hair, which means that one of these guys is going to get their heads shaved bald. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, if you know the booch, I don't really have an issue with being bald because I myself am bald. You'll know this because Zach calls me Chrome Dome all the fucking time. But here's the thing. If you have a full head of hair and it's not thinning out, it's not receding, and it looks great, then the thought of being bald scares the fuck out of you. I know this because for most of my life, I never wanted to be bald. If you'd have told me 10, 11 years ago that I would be bald today, I'd say you were fucking crazy. In fact, it was 10 years ago that I shaved my head bald right around the time of WrestleMania 27. And some of you might not know this story, but I'll tell it anyway. Here's what happened. At the time, I was working for the regular guys on Rock 100.5. And this is when I was just starting to to get my name out there and the fans were starting to come around to me and it was also about this time that the regular guys discovered my love for professional wrestling because Wrestlemania was coming to Atlanta so all the wrestlers were coming through the radio station you know Shawn Michaels came through Roddy Piper came through we had The Miz which is why my hatred for him still exists Uh, and then of course we went to Wrestlemania Access and did the media rounds where we had Drew McIntyre coming in. We had the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, Wade Barrett, Santino Morella, Shawn Michaels again, Christian. I mean, there was just a plethora of WWE superstars coming to see us. Now, in the weeks leading up to Access, the regular guys were talking about the fact that my hairline was receding or that it was thinning out. And they thought I should shave my head. And my immediate thought was, fuck all that to death. Just fuck it. Fuck it all to death. I was not going to do that because for years, I never wanted to be bald. I was one of those people that I would, I would, if, if I was bald as a kid or as like, a, or in high school or middle school or whatever, I would have killed myself. I hated being bald. I would never have done it. The best I would do is get a buzz cut. And that was because A, it made my hair easier to manage and B, it was good when I was on the wrestling team because you couldn't have long hair back then anyway. So I never wanted to be bald. Now, Larry, Larry Wax obviously is bald. So he was trying to convince me that being bald is not a bad thing and it's not something to be ashamed about. Even though there was a time in history where there was shame attached to it, he's saying that shame no longer exists. But no matter how hard he tried, I wouldn't fucking do it. So Larry was trying to come up with an idea. So he brings a buzzer to WrestleMania Access. And we're sitting down and we're talking on the air and he says, you know, he's trying to set up this. I, he, has, he said, I have an idea that I think you're going to like. And I said, well, you can try it, but I doubt I'll like it. So he goes right into the whole bit and he's like, so you know, Booch, we're trying to get you to shave your head for a long time. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, and I keep saying no, so I don't know why we're bringing this up. I'm not doing it. He 
said, I, he said, look, I know, I know, but I have an idea that I think you might like. I said, I'm listening. And he goes, you won't let us shave your head. I said, no. He said, why don't you let the superstar shave your head and sign it? I thought about it for a moment and I finally went, okay, let's do it. So that's when I agreed to have my head shaved. Now, at the time, I had to keep my head exactly the way it was. There's so it wasn't shaved all the way. They, they all they did was shave off enough of it to where they could sign their names. I had to keep my head exactly like that with the signatures intact for the whole WrestleMania weekend. Because WrestleMania was in Atlanta, I went to everything. I went to Access later that night. I went to the Hall of Fame. I went to WrestleMania on Sunday, and I went to Monday Night Raw the very next day. I went to all four events. I saved my money over time so that I could buy each so I could buy tickets to everything. So we got everything squared away. Everything was under control. And I got the head shaved and everything. And then once WrestleMania was over, I shaved it all completely off. I went bald for a period of time. And it turned out it was a better look for me. And I've been bald ever since. And I've kept it because A, my hair won't never grow back to normal. And B, more women seem to like me as a bald guy. So I can easily run with this. But as far as Cameron Grimes and Duke Hudson go, they still got good heads of hair. So this will not work out too well for either one of these guys. But either way, it's going to be a moneymaker for war games. Because you're going to want to know, okay, who's going to get their heads shaved bald? Who's willing to roll the dice? Because when they do a hair versus hair match, match they go hair versus hair that is legit for a shoot their heads are getting shaved bald the question is who's going to be more comfortable as a baldy cameron grimes or Duke Hudson. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Pete Dunne, who says he's going to send Johnny Gargano packing, and he's going to embarrass Carmelo Hayes and become the new North American champion. And I love this from Pete Dunne, basically saying that Carmelo Hayes needs to pay his dues, and Johnny Gargano is standing in his way. Pete Dunne is just getting significantly better with his promos, and I, for one, could not be happier for him, because Pete Dunne's a badass and deserves to be recognized as such. And then we cut to the backstage area where we see Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada uh, getting ready for their next upcoming match. But it looks like Indy Hartwell can't stop thinking about Dexter Loomis and the fact that he's seriously injured. You know, he's got, uh, you know, broken bones in his hand. It looks like he'll be gone for about a month or two. And at first, Persia's telling her, if you want to stay backstage again, you can. I can handle this. But Indy says, no, I want to be in the match. She goes, are you sure? And she says, yes. And then she looks into the camera and says, Dexter, this one's for you. I love you. And then Persia quickly drags her to the gorilla position so they can get through the curtain and get ready for their match. And right away, you can tell Indy Hartwell's head is not in the game and she's being stubborn. And as a dude, I get it because guys are like that a lot. It's like, no, we got it, man. We're good. We're good. And then we go out there and we realize we're not good because no man wants to admit that they're not ready for the fight. And to see a woman do that as well means that, hey, the women can think just like the guys, you know? Indy Hartwell's sad about what's happening to her husband, but she also knows she has to take care of business, but knows that her her head's not in the game. And we quickly realize that when we move on to our next match of the evening, uh, Caden Carter and Casey Cantanzaro versus Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. Uh, This match was... 
It was not a good wrestling match, but it was good for the story they were trying to tell. And that was Indy Hartwell being totally distracted, too slow to make the tag, uh, just everything going around. Casey and Caden are just running circles around Hartwell. And then eventually, Kenzaro leaps off Carter's shoulders into a splash on Hartwell, gets the one, two, three, and the winners of the match are Caden Carter and Casey Canton Zero, who definitely need this win, especially if they want to break these women away from their jobber status and make them legit contenders for the women's tag team titles at some point. But I'm intrigued to see how this affects the partnership of Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. Because even though Persia is Indy's best friend, and she's trying to be understanding of the fact that she can't keep take her to keep her mind off the fact that Dexter Loomis is injured, Persia's only going to be able to tolerate this shit for so long. Because if it keeps affecting them as a tag team, she's eventually going to either tell Indy to, you know, take a break and come back when you got your head on straight, or this can lead to a breakup and a potential rivalry down the road. The question is, will Persia Parada be able to stand on her own two feet? Because I think Indy Hartwell, especially with the Dexter Loomis angle and marriage, has the ability to still be a major player in the singles division. Unfortunately, I cannot say the same for Persia Parada. So I hope they don't break up because they're too good as a tag team. And then, of course, we cut to the backstage area with Andre Chase, who is walking around with his students, and they confront Cameron Grimes. He talks about, you know, Cameron Grimes making mistakes based on emotion and using that as a teachable moment. And Cameron basically tells Andre Chase to go to hell, which I think means that most likely next week on NXT, they're probably going to have a match. Cameron Grimes versus Andre Chase. And either Cameron Grimes is going to beat Andre Chase or Duke Hudson is going to cause a distraction which will cause Andre Chase to win. But if they're if they're going to fight next week on NXT is the best time to do it. Have this have this match on the go home NXT and that way it'll 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 also help to fuel the fire for the hair versus hair match. So, I think that's perfect. Have them fight next week. And then we cut to our next match of the evening, if we want to call it that, and that's Santos Escobar with Legado del Fantasma versus Malik Blade. Um, I want to say this is a match, but I don't think I can because Escobar was way too fucking dominant. As well, he should be. This is his first match back in a very long time. So I thought this was a great showing for Santos Escobar. It was a way to, you know, get him back on TV, get him back in the limelight, and uh, show that he is still every bit the badass we all know him to be. You know, he eventually Blade... Uh, tried to counter the moves with sunset flips and everything, but Escobar was just way too strong, way too dominant. Eventually hits the phantom driver, gets the one, two, three, and wins the match to establish dominance and let everybody know that Santos Escobar is still the man. And then after the match, Electra Lopez is on the mic, and she says, no one says no to Legato. That's why they took out Zion Quinn. Legato is going to take all of the gold in NXT. Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner interrupt and say they want the tag titles. Imperium appears on the balcony. Barthel says neither team can stop Imperium. Eitner says the two teams should fight and the winner can face them at war games. I'm not going to lie. I think it's a great idea. And that again, this is another match they need to book for next week's NXT. Next week, it should be Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner versus Legado del Fantasma, Wilder and Mendoza. And the winner of that match faces Imperium for the tag team title. 
titles. But here's the question. Will Imperium win the match if that's the case? Because I believe if Legato Del Fantasma wins this match, then they need to beat Imperium and become the tag team champions. But if Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner win, then I think Imperium should retain the NXT tag team titles. And I'm going to tell you why. I got a feeling Von Wagner is not going to spend a lot of time in NXT. He's obviously a bodyguard for Adam Pearce on SmackDown as well. So he's going to be doing a lot of double duty as a singles person. Also, Kyle O'Reilly, I think his contract is up soon. And I keep hearing rumors about if Kyle O'Reilly's contract ends, he's going to want to sign with AEW. And they're going to try to reform the Undisputed Era since Adam Cole and Bobby Fish are both in AEW. So if Kyle O'Reilly is thinking that, I don't want to see him with a belt. Because if he's got a title, he ain't going no damn where. Plus, Kyle O'Reilly's already been a tag team champion at least three times. I don't want to see him in the tag team picture anymore. I want to see him as either the North American champion or the NXT champion, especially since he's the one who beat Adam Cole and drove him out of NXT. So that's how it should go. Legato should win the tag belts. So that's how you do it. If Legato wins, the Imperium drops the belts. If O'Reilly and Wagner win, Imperium keeps the belts. Now, I also want to say that I like that Elektra finally reiterated that Zion Quinn said no to Legato Del Fantasma. He never said no to Elektra Lopez. He went on record saying he found Elektra attractive, but just didn't want to get down with Legato. And that's why they took him out. But they also, they want to take all of the gold in NXT. Well, therein lies the problem. Because, obviously, Wild and Mendoza can be the tag team champions. Elektra Lopez can hold the women's title. Well, which title is Santos going to hold? Because he's the leader of the faction. So if he's the North American champion, who's going to be the NXT champion? Also, who's going to be the Cruiserweight champion? And how are they going to get the women's tag team titles? You see, you can't make statements like, we're going to hold all the gold in NXT when there's more titles than there's ever been. If it was just the NXT title, the tag team titles, and the women's title, they could 100% hold all the gold. And I would love to see them do it. But now, in order to do that, you have to add more people. So what would have to happen is they would have to find a way to convince Zion Quinn to change his mind and join Legato Del Fantasma. Then, if that happens, Zion Quinn could win the North American title. Then Santos could win the NXT title. And then you have to figure out, well, do we recruit three more people to get the Cruiserweight and the tag belts? Or do we just pretend those belts don't exist and say we hold the primary ones? That's what needs to happen. They would have to get Zion Quinn to join and have him be the North American champion. And then Santos becomes the NXT champion. Otherwise, you can't take all the gold. It's a false narrative. There's too many belts and not enough members of Legado Del Fantasma. So it's a stupid thing to say. And then Tony D'Angelo's in the back and he talks about how in the North American title match, his money is on Carmelo Hayes to win it all. And then he refers to the announcers as the Three Stooges, which I thought was hilarious. So Tony D'Angelo to me, he gets better and better on the mic every week. Like, it is impressive how great he is. So then we cut to the backstage area where Cora Jays with Raquel Gonzalez, Zoe Stark, and Io Shirai. Jade points out they need a fourth member since Stark is hurt. And Jade goes off to find them a final team member. And I gotta say, I loved Cora Jade's promo. The fact that she said that the whole teammates arguing, getting on the same page, will they coexist? He says she says the story that's getting old. And I couldn't agree more with her. It is. It's stupid watching everybody bicker and fight on a team and get on the same page. Cora Jade's ready to go. It's like, focus on getting a fourth. I'm going to focus 
on kicking ass. And I thought that was a great, well-done promo and the right thing to say at the right time. It just blended well. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Cora Jade versus Mandy Rose. This was a very good match. Obviously, with Mandy Rose being the women's champion, which, by the way, this is a non-title match. This was a very well-done match. Both women brought the fight to each other, It was, and it was a great technical showcase. And then, of course, Kaylee Ray walks down the ring with a bat, and while Rose is distracted, Jay rolls up Rose for the one, two, three. Perfect. I thought that was perfect finish. It gave Cora Jade a win so she can look good. It protects Mandy Rose and establishes a potential fourth member for the War Games team. So, again, match was great. Did exactly what it needed to do. Both women were impressive. Kaylee Ray was also impressive despite the fact she didn't wrestle. And then we cut to the backstage area where Carmelo Hayes is with Trick Williams. Hayes says when he defends his title tonight, he won't miss. And he goes off on everybody and talks about the old school and the new school and blah blah blah. Either way, uh, Carmelo Hello Hayes cuts a phenomenal promo. Trick Williams is like, talk your talk. I love it. Their chemistry is amazing. Carmelo Hayes is so gifted on the mic. And I'm intrigued to see if he misses or not. Then we cut to the backstage area where Kaylee Ray tells Jade and the others she's going to be their fourth member. And that she is going to be in the Advantage ladder match next week. And that match is going to feature Kaylee Ray versus Dakota Kai. And basically how this works is in a ladder match they're going to be climbing up for a contract. Whoever grabs the contract, their team will have the advantage in War Games. Because how War Games works is, for those of you who don't know, two people start off and then once for and they're, and they're in there together for about five minutes. Once that five minutes is up, somebody from another team has to enter. Whoever has the advantage, their team gets to enter the match next and then it becomes two on one until the timer goes off and then the next person comes in, blah, 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 until all eight women are in the cage. Now, traditionally, it makes sense for the heels to have the one woman advantage, to have the advantage in the in the war games. Whether it's a one man advantage or one woman advantage. And the reason the heels get it is so that they can get their heat during the match. You got a one-on-one match, then you got a two-on-one, and those two beat the hell out of the one, and the crowd boos, and they get their heat. So, even though Kaylee Ray has been badass, I'm I'm predicting that Dakota Kai is going to win, and I think she should, because it makes zero sense for the babyfaces to have the advantage, because babyfaces aren't supposed to do two-on-one assaults. The only time a babyface should be breaking the rules is if he's so pissed off at the heel and the and the rivalry is so personal that it justifies them breaking the rules to fuck somebody up. And even though Raquel Gonzalez has beef with Dakota Kai, I don't know if that beef is strong enough to do the advantage in war games. And on that note, we cut to the next segment here, which is L.A. Knight making his way to the ring for his upcoming match against Joe Gacy. All of a sudden, Grayson Waller attacks him from behind. The two end up fighting to the back. So Joe Gacy pulls out a chair, sits in the ring, and says he's going to take this time to speak to the audience. Then Diamond Mine interrupts. Malcolm Bivens tells Gacy to get the hell out of the ring. Gacy says he has no respect for Roderick Strong, which is why he won't leave. His name is a symbol of toxic masculinity. Strong says he wants Gacy in the ring. Bivens says he will get the match booked, and Strong will beat Gacy like a little John track. Yeah, Bivens tells Julius 
and Brutus take out the trash. Before they can get to Gacy, Harlan appears behind them and Bivens backs off. They also talk about the fact that, you know, Gacy believes that the Cruiserweight title uh, is a weight-shaming belt and that it only gives people at a certain weight a title shot and it's discrimination. So, Bivens says he's willing to do whatever he's got to do to make Gacy eligible for a Cruiserweight title shot. And apparently they're going to rig it so that Roderick Strong and Joe Gacy can fight for the Cruiserweight title despite Gacy's weight. And from a gimmick standpoint, I love this. Obviously, Joe Gacy's whole thing is about phony outrage. So to see him use phony outrage is amazing. He found a way to make the Cruiserweight title an offensive belt. I thought that's great. And he's getting them to break the rules and give him a shot at that belt. So I'm intrigued to see how this happens. Like if Joe Gacy wins, could he get stripped of the title from like the general manager? Assuming William Regal ever fucking comes back. Um, just, just how is this going to work? I don't see a scenario where this works positively. And then they cut to the two most annoying motherfuckers ever to walk the earth, MSK. And they're basically traveling to meet this uh, bullshit shaman. Uh, he's more like a charlatan. And, you know, these two eventually get pulled over by the police. And they're worried because they smoke a lot of weed. Is the cop going to see the weed? And are they going to go to jail? Well, apparently the cop notices nothing or the shaman put some kind of spell and let them go. So now they're off to meet the shaman. This whole storyline, as I mentioned many, many times before, is fucking stupid. Nothing intelligent has occurred since and all it does is make me want to see this tag team less and less. Please, next time you do a round of releases, get rid of fucking MSK. They are taking up space and are a waste of fucking time. And then we move on to the next match of the evening here. We got Ivy Nile with the Diamond Mine versus Ulisa Lee This is another moment where I'm going to say if we can even call it that. And the answer is no. Why? Because Ivy Nile fucked this woman up six ways from fucking Sunday. And Ivy Nile is proving how much of a dominant bitch she really is. Especially when she locks Leon into a modified dragon sleeper and she taps out. So she makes quick work of Ulisa Leon. Obviously, there was a moment where she like a counter sunset flip into a head scissors to for good measure. And obviously... Hits a, hits a lariat that damn near decapitates her. Like, she was brutal and violent, and it was fucking great. I enjoyed every bit of this. Ivy Nile is definitely a future NXT Women's Champion. I'm just intrigued to see how long they're going to wait before they give her the title shot and the title. Next, we get to the backstage area with the grizzled young veterans who steal a guy's wallet. All of a sudden, Waller and Knight crash in and are still fighting each other which I enjoy. I like this fight is still ongoing and it hasn't fully stopped yet because they're now making this fight really personal between them. And I love it. I think it's great. So then we move on to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. The Grizzled Young Veterans versus Briggs and Jensen. And the answer is no. We are not going to call this a match. Just for the simple fact that Knight and Waller are still fighting backstage and they put more focus on that than they do on this tag team match. It's, oh my god, Hogan's in the hospital. Is he the next wrestler to die? 
is basically it. I don't think that's the case, but then again, anything can happen during the pandemic, so here's hoping he's okay. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the Hulkster, and it's going to be intriguing to see how he, and by he, I mean, uh, you know, Ciampa, uh, gets out of all the crazy religious stuff that he said, or at least what can be interpreted as extremely religious. I'm intrigued. But no, Briggs and Jensen hit their finish and get the win, have a hell of a match. Um, but not still not good enough to be considered a match because Knight and Waller got most of the attention. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the NXT North American Championship. Carmelo Hayes with Trick Williams defends the title against Pete Dunne and Johnny Gargano. Now, what's interesting about this match is that when Johnny Gargano participated in it, he was doing it with the attempt to become a four-time North American champion. I actually had to go back and look at the list of champions to remember that Johnny Gargano had already been champion three times because I do not remember that. But apparently he was. So this would make it four for Gargano. So right away, right there, I kind of wouldn't have wanted him to win if I had known that. Because he's already held that belt multiple times before. Now, obviously, I would have loved to see Pete Dunne win. But also, Carmelo Hayes is extremely talented. And I thought this was a very well done triple threat match. And I don't normally like triple threat matches. I'm very much against them. But this was one that actually worked. Especially with, um, you know, Carmelo Hayes at one point doing a springboard crossbody while uh, Pete Dunne locked in a finisher on Gargano, I thought was great. Or he was going for a Russian leg sweep, but then Hayes crashed into them. I thought that was great. Um, You know, Gargano had some great spots. Pete Dunne had some great submission moments. Johnny Gargano fighting off like he always does. This was well done. Now, of course, eventually Tony D'Angelo appears out of nowhere and pulls Dunne out of the ring, and then Hayes hits the diving famous off the top rope for the win. So Carmelo Hayes retains the North American Championship, which I kind of thought he would. Then after the match. LA Knight and Waller's fight spills out into the arena. Everyone brawls. Williams and Hayes wrap a chair around Gargano's hand. Before they can break Gargano's hand, Ciampa walks to the ring with a chair to make the save. Ciampa, Knight, Gargano, and Dunn pair up. Braun Breaker all of a sudden walks out on the stage and stands with Hayes, D'Angelo, and Waller. Breaker screams, War Games! And a huge brawl breaks out. Now, here's the issue that I'm having with this. Obviously, this is a random setup for war games because they don't have any four-man factions anymore because Pete Dunne pretty much broke up his team. The Undisputed Era has been gone and, you know, Hit Row got called up and then released. So, shit's crazy. So, we now know it's going to be Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, LA Knight, and Pete Dunne on a team for war games. Then you have Carmelo Hayes, D'Angelo, Waller, and Braun Breaker. So, in the span of one episode of NXT, Braun Breaker turns heel and L.A. Knight turns babyface. So apparently the rivalry between L.A. Knight and Waller is now resulting in a double turn. So Grayson Waller goes from face to heel last week. We have L.A. Knight going from heel to babyface. And we got Braun Breaker going from babyface to heel. Because Braun Breaker is siding with the heels. And L.A. Knight is siding with the babyface. Babyfaces. So, if, if that's the direction they want to go, that's great. I'm all for it. I would love to see LA Knight as a babyface. I'd love to see Braun Breaker as a heel. Because I know Scott Steiner was a fantastic heel. And Braun Breaker's a lot like him. So, we can see that happen. Now, of course, his dad, Rick Steiner, was also a heel. But he wasn't as great of a heel as Scott Steiner was. That's just a fact. That's not an insult. That is just a fact of life. So now I'm intrigued to see how this War Games is going to work out. I also like seeing the reunion of DIY with Ciampa and Gargano, especially with Ciampa helping Gargano to his feet. 
Plus, I feel like they need to be on the same page again anyway, because apparently Imperium's running their mouth about being the most dominant tag team, so I wouldn't mind seeing DIY knock them down a peg, especially if, Gar- if at any point Ciampa was to lose the NXT Championship soon, especially since Braun Breaker's making his mission to take the belt from him. This could be a step in that direction. So, either way, I'm intrigued for War Games. I'm excited, and they're really making us all think about what's going to happen. And Lord knows I have a lot of thinking, thinking to do. So that was going to wrap up this recap of NXT. I thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I'm sorry if I sound a little lethargic, but it is like 2 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving, and I am exhausted as fuck. This, in fact, this episode may come out later because as soon as I'm done recording this, uh, I'm going to bed, and then tomorrow during th- on Thanksgiving morning before uh, dinner is made, I'll probably edit this. But um, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show, as well as great content. Uh, we have our male soap opera moments up there, where the Wednesday and I gave our predictions for WWE Survivor Series. Obviously, Survivor Series is already passed, but you guys can check out that episode and see whose predictions were right, who was wrong, and all the craziness in between. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram, at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got a bunch of YouTube content out there from Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, our archived uh, watch parties. I know Survivor Series will be up there uh, soon. Also, we got the D&D one-shot, funny skits. We have a Thanksgiving video that actually just came out, so be sure to check that out. You, You might see it on the Facebook page but if you don't just head on over to the YouTube channel and you'll see our Thanksgiving video that I just uploaded it's up there today uh, so make sure you guys check that out it is a funny hilarious video check it out and have a happy Thanksgiving also make sure you follow us on Twitch go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast that's where we do our live wrestling watch parties our next live party will be Saturday January 29th for the WWE Royal Rumble that's right the Royal Rumble will be on January 28th at 8 p.m. We'll be there live at 8. The uh, bootleg link will be available at 7 p.m. on our Twitter page. So make sure you go there, follow us, have a great time. Also, the D&D show will be coming soon in 2022. Like I said, once we all get our shit together, we can get it organized. We'll make that happen. And of course, Elvis is going to be doing some gaming on there very soon. So if you want to hang out and talk to him, feel free. Feel free. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can donate at, all with prizes coming soon. Uh, The first level you can donate at is 99 cents per month. That's it. Just 99 cents, and you can take care of the Boochcast and help us grow and thrive it. Also, we have our second level, which is $4.99 per month. The same amount of money we used you could pay for a Peacock subscription. I know some of you guys out there aren't 
fans of the Peacock. So rather than giving the Peacock your money, give us the money. We got better content than Peacock. And we have our third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money you would pay for a WWE Network subscription in the United States back in the day is now how much you can contribute to the Boochcast, especially since the Peacock purchased the network here in the States. So you got nowhere to put the $9.99. So take that $9.99, send it over here. We got better content than the network anyway. You can purchase it with a credit card or with GPay. The choice is yours. And the money you donate to us goes back into the show. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and I take care of all the guys who work really hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast successful. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they should be paid for their work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And if there is any money at all left over, we use the remaining money to feed Zach ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.